Welcome to the Enchanted Years Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about our experience purchasing DVC through the resale market. Oh, yeah. So not to bury the lead here, but yes, we did purchase DVC. Yeah, we did. So we are DVC members now. We haven't gone yet, though, so... That is correct. Um, we have not. We're looking forward to, to using it soon. Yes. But we purchased uh, a resale property at the Polynesian Resort. Which for, is crazy because any longtime listener knows that my dream resort was... The anybody? Po- anybody? The Polynesian. Yeah, the Polynesian. So I'm really excited um, and anxious to go and stay there. Yeah. So it's our, it's our home resort now. So yeah, we, we wanted to kind of discuss our experience uh, through the resale process and then... Um, and the second half of the show, we will be having Linda Smith from DVC Resale Market, uh, who actually was the sales associate we worked with to purchase the property. And we're going to be bringing her on to kind of talk through some more, you know, expert uh, advice and on things on, on the resale. She has incredible experience because she actually worked for Disney for almost her whole career. Ent- yeah, her entire career yeah. up until like this year or like it was very, very recently that she switched over to the resale market. So she helped to open every property. Um, and so she has that perspective as well as the perspective of somebody who is, you know, now selling on the resale market. Exactly. So yeah, so we'll kind of talk about why we bought resale, kind of our experience on it. Uh, and then we'll have her on to kind of talk through more of the technical questions. And if you have listened to this podcast, we, we have done an episode in the past on just what like DVC is right, and kind of talking through the price. So if you're kind of interested in a little bit of a background on DVC, you know, go check out that episode. All right. But before we get into, into the episode, let's cover some Disney news of the week. All right. So let's start by talking Disneyland. So Disneyland announced that out of state guests will be able to visit June 15th now. Whoop, whoop. Um, so that, that's pretty exciting. That's coincides with when California is going to be lifting their restrictions and Disneyland announced that that out-of-state guests will be allowed to come in then. I kind of thought Disneyland would have waited a little bit. They seem to have been waiting kind of longer than all of the other theme parks. So I'm kind of surprised they announced this this, this early. I think they, they did this so that people can start planning trips because they also announced that with this, you'll now be able to make theme park reservations. I believe it's 90 days out, whereas before it was like a rolling 60 days. And so, you know, without a state guest, you kind of have to plan ahead a little bit further yeah. than in-state visitors. And so they're giving you, you know, a little bit more opportunity. So again, great news, you know, Disneyland's opening up. It's also kind of coincides with the opening of Avengers Campus over at DCA, which just which happened. Which looks amazing. Yeah, which just happened this past week. And there was like insane crowds. I think it was like a four-hour wait just to get into the land. It's a pretty small land. I think it's only like four or five acres. So it's not as big as Galaxy's Edge, which I think it was like around 14 so it doesn't hold as many people. So yeah, there was a, a huge crowd opening day. But yeah, this is exciting for people that want to go visit that. If you're out of state, I'm assuming capacity will be increased you know, with all of this. So again, just kind of good news on that front. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited. I can't wait to get back to Disneyland um, and just check out everything that we haven't seen because it's been a while since we've been there. Yeah, it has been. It's been like three years or so, and we're planning to go in July. So we'll uh, definitely report back on that. Have a trip report on how Avengers Campus was. Um, I feel like I need to like write up a formal report, like a book report, <laughs> and then just read it on air. Won't do that. That would be so boring. They have a lot of new food options, like the Pim Test Kitchen. 
that you know look pretty good. They have those like spiral churros. Andrew, you're the churro expert on the on the show. I so actually have try my all that PhD out. in churros. I don't know if you know that. That's a PhD somebody needs to start. They have a lot of strange degrees. Maybe not degrees. There's a lot of classes you can take on like studying friends as a, you know, the class, like the history and impact of friends or like I took community class, or something I took something a class like on Joss Whedon one time. Yeah, exactly. So I think there probably is a history of churro class. Yeah. So you I, might not be that far off with getting a PhD in churros. I need to learn the, the making of churro class. Again, we're, you know, we're pretty excited. I'll take guests are going to be able to go. Again, we're looking forward to going to see Avengers Campus. Yeah, I think last time we went Pixar Pier, they were in the process of converting it. So we really haven't had a chance to experience that in Credit Coaster and everything. So there's a, a lot of new stuff yeah, there for us to experience over DCA. There's three lands we haven't been to, but I mean, Galaxy's Edge is the same as over in Disney World. But still, we haven't seen three new lands. So really excited yeah, to get there. Exactly. And then over at, at Disney World, we got our, the pricing for the new Boo Bash. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about this, that there's not going to be... <laughs> that sounds like a failed cereal. Boo Bash. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, all booze. So we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, though, that there's not going to be a Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. So there's not going to be a full Halloween party. It's going to be replaced with this Boo Bash. It's only three hours uh, instead of the typical five hours, we kind of talked about. We wonder what the pricing was going to be, and we we do have pricing. Don't don't worry though. You know it's it's, a, it's shorter, so they definitely priced it accordingly, right? Yes, they increased the pricing significantly. <laughs> oh. Less time, a lot more expensive. So it is going to be uh, anywhere between one hundred twenty nine to one hundred thirty nine dollars a night for August and September. If you want to go in October, that's going to run you $159 to $169 a night. Ooh. And if you want to go Halloween night, it's $199 a night. $200. Yes. Now, if you're an annual pass holder or Disney Vacation Club member, you can get a $10 discount in oh, August man. and September. That's a big savings. Huge there. savings. There. Yeah. But Disney Food Blog actually did an article comparing the prices between the uh, 2019 Halloween party, because that was the last time they had a party in this. And it actually works out. It's anywhere between fifty to sixty, seventy dollars more expensive for oh the boo bash per ticket. So, Jeez. in twenty nineteen, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, the least expensive ticket was seventy nine dollars. And again, that was a five hour event with parades, with fireworks, with with everything. And you could go as cheaply as seventy nine dollars. Whereas for the three hour boo bash, and you just have cavalcades, no word on fireworks or anything yet. You know, character meet and greets, assuming are still going to be at a distance, is one hundred twenty nine dollars. So Disney just jacked up the prices on this. It, it's actually pretty amazing how bold they were with the price increase. Can you describe my face right now? Because I don't have the words. Pure shock. I would say you're speechless. Yeah, and that's that's rare. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think you know Disney has definitely leaning into this increased pricing. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about how Ticket prices are the same once the parks reopen, but a, there's a ton of stuff missing at the parks. But there's still so many people going. And there's still so much demand. I think Disney feels somewhat emboldened to continue to charge these prices. But this is pretty amazing that they would take an after-hours event, cut it down by two hours, and then increase the pricing by 40 or 50%. This concerns me um, because I feel like there's a lot of companies that cut – like cut workers, cut workers, cut workers until you're down to the bare minimum of trying, you know, 
everyone still has to get the same amount of work done, but everyone has to do so much more. Um, it's concerning that Disney is doing that because, you know, customer satisfaction is so important to them. Um, and it seems like they're offering less, but charging more for it. So, you know, you're still not, you're not going to have the people on the floats. You're not going to have all of these different features that you're used to having, but yet the price is still the same. So I don't know. I, I, I just think that they're heading down kind of a dark road here a little bit. Yeah, it, it seems like they're trying to almost make back as much money as possible that they lost from the year the parks were closed. And it kind of seems like they're probably, their rationale is, well, we're going to have to have a reduced capacity. So we still need to make X amount of money. So we'll just charge everybody that's going more. It does make me concerned that they're not going to go back though. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, if next year they can have a full Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party and it becomes a, a five hour event again, does that mean tickets are going to be, you know, $170 to, to $250? I mean, do they go up another 40 or $50? So yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, interesting. I mean, just comparatively, it seems like it's not worth it at all to do the boo bash versus, you know, what the pricing was for the Halloween party. But I, I'm sure a lot of people would go. I mean, I definitely would like to, you know, hear what our listeners think. If you're planning on going, you know, does, does the price increase impact you or you kind of don't care? I mean, it, it'd be curious to kind of get that feedback. It's almost like Disney is kind of latching on to the wedding and funeral business where it's like we can charge exorbitant prices because everyone has to get married and everyone has to die. It's almost at the point right now where it's like everyone is so excited to get out of their houses that we can charge whatever we want and offer less because people just want to be here and they know that we're like we're treating things pretty responsibly. So I just hope that this doesn't become like a company policy now. Well, that that is the thing. I mean, does this you know, last more than a couple years because you're right. I mean, they have a huge demand because nobody could go for a year. You kind of have people, you know, probably two years worth of people trying to all go now because you're right. Nobody's been able to go anywhere. It's nice to get out of the house. It's nice to go on vacation. Disney's a good place to go to. But in, you know, a couple years, does that demand wane? They're going to have the 50th anniversary, which will keep demand high. But it will be interesting to see, you know, maybe at Disneyland because they don't have the annual pass program anymore is that initial demand going to wane, you know, and they're going to see that they can't charge higher prices or, you know, does Disney world, does that demand hold for a few years? And this just becomes the new norm. It, it will be interesting to see, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I don't think for me, a couple hours for the boobash, it's probably worth the 150 to $160. I mean, the Christmas party we went to, I think was like a hundred to 120. And that was like a five hour party. You had characters, you had fireworks. I felt that was well worth it, but if you're cutting a lot of that out and you're cutting the amount of time out, cause you're basically paying for those low crowds, right. you know, and, and that extended time. And we only have a few hours on that. You're not gonna be able to ride as much. I don't know. That I'd want to pay 160, $170, um, right. you know, a night to go there. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure they'll still get decent crowds though. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, and then I just want to mention before we kind of start talking about DVC, we are back from our trip. Uh, we'll be talking about it, doing a trip recap in a couple weeks here. But if, if any of our listeners have any questions, they would like answered about, you know, what are the parks like right now? Uh, just kind of any insight, you know, how things are changing because things are changing pretty rapidly down there. Definitely send us a question. You can do so on our website, enchantedearspodcast.com slash podcast question. And we'll try to answer as many of those as we can uh, on our recap show. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So let's get into our experience here buying DVC. So as we mentioned, uh, we purchased a, a resale property uh, at the Poly. 
And you know, while we ultimately went with the resale market, it kind of comes down to cost, and that's you right. know, a, a big factor of it. So yeah, it was significantly cheaper. Right. And so if, if you listen to again the previous episode where we talked about DVC, it's very expensive to purchase directly from Disney. And yeah. so, you know, currently, if you want to buy a DVC property from Disney, they're they're currently selling at the Riviera and Alani, and it's two hundred and one dollars per point, and you have to buy a minimum of hundred and twenty five points. So, you know, that is kind of prohibitive for two reasons: one, it's a high cost per point, and two, it's a minimum of hundred and twenty five points. So, when we were looking at purchasing DVC, we kind of figured based on when we go how often we stay, that 125 points was maybe a little bit too much for us. Right. That we could probably get away with less points, maybe like 90 to 100 points. And so that's not even an option with Disney. Right. You can also, as Joe mentioned, only purchase with those two properties right now. Now, of course, that's your home resort. It doesn't mean you can't stay anywhere else. But when we look at, well, Alani's so far away from us, that's just absolutely just not even doesn't make any kind of sense. And then the Riviera, although the Riviera is really nice, I looked at it and I thought it looks like a really nice fancy hotel, but it's nothing about it screams Disney to me. So I didn't feel that instant connection with the Riviera. So then it was like, well, you know, do I, do we really want one of those places when there are so many other beautiful resorts that we would probably prefer to belong to? So I think that that's kind of part of our decision-making process of why we decided to go resale. Yeah, and it allowed us to almost like dip our toe into that DVC right. water because again, you know, we ended up getting a hundred points at the poly. And so that was enough for us for depending on when you go, four or five nights a year, or maybe two trips of two or three nights a year. Um, which for us, we're typically going once a year or, or maybe two long weekends. And so it, it worked out. Whereas if we had 125 points, I think we would be constantly banking points and then at one you, you know you'd almost feel like you're losing them right and I'm, i mean for anybody listening that maybe doesn't know a lot about us we're a couple and we don't have kids either so it is yeah. just the two of us right now now if we had a kid that or kids uh, that could potentially change the i mean that would change the amount of points that we would need exactly or if we started going three or four times a year right you know it would change it but you know based on our our current kind of travel again the 100 points made sense and to me i kind of wanted to feel like Maybe I don't have quite enough points. Like I would almost rather be like, oh, we can only stay four nights instead of five than be like, oh, we have to stay eight nights this year because otherwise we're going to lose points that we had saved up. And believe it or not, like we, I mean, we will go to other places that aren't Disney. So we don't right. want to shoot all of our vacation budget on Disney all the time as, as much as we love Disney. Exactly. So, so it was a nice way, you know, to, again, kind of dip your toe in the water. And the nice thing is you can always buy additional points on resale. You can always buy points from Disney if you know it's something you want to do in the future. But so that that's kind of why the you know those two reasons were why we really started looking at resale. One, it's a cheaper price per point, and two, you can get smaller contracts. Now there are some cons to buying resale. So when you buy directly from Disney, you also get uh, shopping discounts. You get access to the DVC lounge at Epcot. You get pool hopping uh, capabilities. You get to go to the lounge at the top of the contemporary. And, and I think you get a little little card too, you know, just saying, hey, I'm a member. Now, these are all perks that Disney can take away at any time. And so they have taken away 
some of them for the resale. So you don't get the shopping and food discounts. You don't get to go to the DBC lounge. But as of right now, we still get pool hopping capabilities and get to go to the lounge at the top of the contemporary as resale. Now that can go away at any time. To us, the discounts weren't maybe necessarily worth you know paying the additional price and at resale we could stay at any resort we want minus the riviera and any other new resort that they potentially will build yeah so that's an additional limitation i think the the big one so for us that wasn't a, a huge issue not being able to stay at the riviera yeah, not a as, big as you mentioned and again with the shopping discounts if you get the disney visa card they basically have the exact same discounts right and so you can kind of get around that the big one and again it, it really kind of the cost benefit of it didn't necessarily make sense. But if you are a, a DVC member through Disney so that you get your membership card and you're kind of a, a full-fledged member, you can purchase... Now, I'm not sure if they're still doing this right now because they're not selling annual passes. But you can purchase annual passes as, a, as if you were a Florida resident. So you can get a mm. Florida resident. So that's a pretty significant discount over a regular annual pass. As resale, you don't have that opportunity. But you kind of have to factor you're maybe saving a couple hundred dollars a year on an annual pass versus the thousands you're going to save purchasing resale. So, you know, for us, we said, Hey, it's again, it wasn't worth it to pay more through Disney. We're kind of okay with that. That's the biggest impact. I think of the perk. The other ones are kind of like, ah, whatever. But again, as you pointed out, the amount that you save isn't worth it because you're still going to, there's going to be a huge price or a huge gap of money that you know, that you end up paying to Disney because you wanted the um, to buy through them, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just looking at the, the resale. So, again, we went through the DVC resale market, and we'll put a link in the description below if, if anybody's interested in checking out that website. But I, I took a look the other day, and right now they have a Lonnie for $120 per point, as low as that. And, and you said It's how 201 much? per point wow, from yeah, Disney. Wow, yeah, that's quite the gap there. Yeah, so you're saving... $90 a point. And again, they have all the other resorts, you know, they're as low as 120 up to, you know, some of them are 160, $170 a point. So still less than what you're, you know, you're buying from Disney. So for us, you know, it, it kind of made sense when we decided, Hey, this DVC kind of, you know, makes sense. The resale makes sense because what we looked at and, and what you kind of have to look at and what I would recommend people do is look at the lifetime value of the point. So don't just necessarily look at, okay, Alani's $120 a point, the Polly's $150 a point, because you have to look at how many points are on that contract and how many years are left. So the Polly has, I think, like 42 years left on their contract, but someplace like the Beach and Yacht Club, they maybe only have 30 years left. And so if you have 100 points a year, 10 less years, that's a thousand points less over the lifetime of the contract that you're getting. So if they cost the same amount in total, let's say they're both $150 a point times a hundred points, you're paying 15,000 for both. The beach club is actually more expensive because you're getting a thousand less points for the same price as you would at the poly or another resort. So definitely look at how many points lifetime you're going to get. So take, you know, the annual number of points times the number of years left on the contract and divide that by the total cost and see what your best price per point is because some of them are, you know, $3, some of them are 5 But when we kind of did that math, it works out that if you hold this contract for 40 years, you're basically paying 
the same nightly room rate as you would at like Art of Animation right. or Pop Century. And that's really where we kind of realized it made sense for us because yeah, if you're paying, you know, $219 or something, it's somewhere around there usually for Art of Animation or um, Pop Century. So if that's what you're paying a night, but then you're going to pay the same amount to stay at the Polynesian, which is a nicer resort, which is also on the monorail. So you have a quicker and uh, access to the parks and multiple ways to get to the parks. Although I will say Art of Animation and Pop Century are on the Skyliner, which I will definitely miss. Yes. <laughs> but it starts to make a lot of sense then to actually consider buying DVC if you know we're going to go there anyway. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're getting a deluxe resort for the price of a moderate. If you kind of, you know, if you work out that math and again, it works out better when you're at resale because you're getting a, a discounted rate than you know, if you're buying through Disney, um, it, it takes a little bit longer to recoup your money. And again, this is kind of our rationale behind it. Definitely not telling people yeah. they need to go and do this. I mean, Absolutely definitely not <laughs> run, run the numbers do what yourself makes sense for you. Yeah. Run the numbers yourself. But it, it was really interesting because I know when we've talked about DVC, that's always been the thing is like, it's so expensive. And I think we'd always been looking at it buying direct from Disney, which it is very expensive. Right. And then whenever you looked at it on the resale, and again, you did that kind of calculus of, okay, calculus. What's Ooh. the what's the lifetime number of points I'm going to get? So the price per point is X. You know, it, let's say it's, yeah, seven, eight dollars a point and I need 20 points a night, you know, you're, you're paying essentially 160, $180 a night, which again, pop century is that, I mean, sometimes the all-star resorts are $150 a night. And so if that's what's going to cost me to stay at the all-stars, but I can stay at the poly instead. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Also, the nice thing about it is it provides you with a flexibility. You know, when we would go, it was always, okay, we're going to stay at one of these two resorts. We'd stay at Pop Century or we will stay at Art of Animation, which again, I love those two resorts. There's nothing wrong with them. Now, when you think about it, we can always book the Polynesian far out, but we can also take those points and use them elsewhere. If we, you know, if we're able to, to book one of these other resorts, other DVC and, resorts, yeah, other yep. DVC resorts. So now we can stay at Copper Creek. We could stay at Old Key West. We could stay any, pretty much in any of the properties. Again, minus the Riviera. So now there's a whole new world open to us. A whole new world <laughs> um, and of experiences because you know, like we always say, oh, we want to go eat at Boma. We want to go eat at Sanaa, but they're kind of far out there. Well we just can go and stay at animal kingdom lodge and now we're right there and it's very easy for us to go and do that and make that part of our experience and it enriches our experience as well because you know i'm concerned about the food definitely <laughs> definitely you, but you're right it you have the opportunity to stay at any dvc resort and and that's one of the things you know i definitely checked into because we talked about a few years ago disney changed the rules on resale because it used to be if you bought resale you could stay at any resort any other DVC resort, you weren't limited. And then Disney changed the rules. And I think there was some confusion out there that it was, you're only ever gonna be able to stay at your home resort going forward if you buy resale. What happened was you can stay at any of the original pre-Riviera resorts if you buy resale. And then you can't stay anything new. But if you buy Riviera resale, you can only stay at the Riviera. So that is one thing to keep in mind that if you are looking for resale, and you have it for the Riviera, you will only be able to stay at the Riviera. You will not be able to stay at any of the other resorts. But if you buy resale at any of the other resorts, 
you can stay at all of them. So you can stay at Grand Floridian, uh, Copper Creek, like you said, Contemporary, etc. You just can't stay at the Riviera or anything new. So it, it was a little bit confusing when Disney announced that, but that is how it works. You can yeah. do Alani too if you want. And that's what I kind of talk about, like our experience through the actual process, like how long it took. And again, <laughs> seemingly forever, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it actually really wasn't that long. But again, we used the DVC resale market. There are no way of sponsoring this show. Yeah. This is just who we happen to use. There are a ton of other DVC resale websites out there. We can't speak to how good or bad they are because we didn't use them. So we're kind of just saying this is the one we use and this is our experience. So we initially made our offer in early January. It was accepted a few days later on January 13th. So it didn't take very long for that part of it to go through. Yeah. And then so once the offer is accepted, you then have to wait for Disney to waive their right to purchase the property. So that can take um, 30 days plus. But essentially, Disney has the option to say, no, we'll buy that property back from the seller. And then essentially, then we would be out of luck and we'd have to go find another one. You know, even before we, we made the offer, you know, we were looking for a few weeks at the prices. And so there's constantly these contracts going up for sale. And so you can kind of get an idea of what's a good value because they have different number of points. Some of them don't have points available for a year or two. Some of them have points available immediately. You know, you can kind of get an idea of, hey, what's what's a good value? And then so, you know, one came up that had points, you know, available right away. And so that's what, you know, we put in the offer. And like you said, within a day or two on the 13th, it was accepted. And it is kind of like, almost like an auction where you don't want to have it be too low. Like if your bid is, if the bid is too low and they're not asking a lot of points, your likelihood that Disney's going to come back and say we, they want to buy it is usually higher. And I know that um, Linda mentions in our interview that during the pandemic, there wasn't as much um, earlier in the, like there wasn't as much, they weren't buying as many back. But now I think that they started scarfing them up a little bit more. Yeah. And she gets into that uh, much more because again, Disney's going to resell them at 200 plus dollars a point. So you're right. If it's a very like low ball offer uh, and it's a you know dramatically discounted rate, Disney's maybe going to buy that so they can resell it. Especially right. probably for places like the Contemporary where they're redoing it, they can buy them, they can resell them at a higher rate and things. So that's just something to keep in mind. But Disney, you know, they they did waive the right of first refusal. So that happened on February 9th. So just under about 30 days, and then once that happens, it, <laughs> and the whole time we're sitting on the edge of our seat. Because we were waiting to yeah, hear you have back. No idea. Yeah. So yeah, you have no clue what's going on with it. So it was a month. And of course, it's a pandemic month is equal to about 10 years. So it, it seemed like forever. It did. It did take a while. And then even once that happens, it still takes two or three weeks to Dis for Disney to kind of submit all the paperwork and everything that are necessary for closing. Because this is a deeded property. And so, you know, there's a ton of legal paperwork and things that need to happen. So it takes like two or three weeks for Disney to submit all of that before even the closing company can kind of get out the closing documents to get everything wrapped up. So it wasn't until March 16th. So it was a little over another month before we officially closed on the property. And then after that, it goes back to Disney and then it takes a couple of weeks for them to get you set up with your DVC member number and everything. So that's, that way you can log into their website. You can actually make bookings. So we ended up getting our account information on April 6th. So all in all, it took from 
middle of January, you know, January 11th or 12th. I don't remember the exact day we put in the offer until April 6th that we were able to actually go into our account and then make a booking. So, you know, not too bad. It, it was pretty much in line with what they kind of say, you know, that there were a lot of warnings that say, you know, with the pandemic, Disney has a reduced staff, it may take longer, you know, so it typically takes 30 days for this to happen, but it could take up to 60 days. So I think we were lucky that yeah, it, we didn't it, have that much of an issue. Yeah, that. that it took about the, you know, 30 days each time, but just kind of want to give everybody, you know, some insight. So if, if you're looking, hey, I want to buy DVC because I want to go on a trip in three months, that's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> you need to do this for a trip for next year because it's going to take you three to four months to find a property, put the offer in, get all the paperwork through until you have access. And then the thing is, even when you do have access, there's not a ton of availability this summer. You know, like we looked in April, there's really nothing available for the next five or six months because you can book so far in advance. You can book 11 months in advance. So when, you, when you're on there, it's, it's much better to look at next year. So that's just something to keep in mind that this isn't going to be a quick thing you can use right away. Right. And I do, I will say, you know, we are, we tend to be, and I, I use the word we very weakly, Joe really tends to be a, an advanced planner. So if you're a person like me where um, you might be like, oh, I want to make a spur of the moment decision, uh, DVC might not be for you. But if you're a person like Joe, who's like, okay, I'm looking at my calendar ahead of time this next year, this would be a great time to go. I mean, I will say this time, for the first time we're actually going to be able to use our property, we're hoping is going to be marathon weekend. Um, so that was something that was kind of driven by me because I want to do the uh, dopey challenge <laughs> if that happens. But we have that booked, but like you have to keep those kind of events in mind and, and know about it ahead of time and not be making last minute decisions. Yeah. And not to say that there's no availability at all over the next six months, but it's very sporadic. So let's say we wanted to go like a specific week in August or September, because, you know, we're looking at a specific date, the chances of that being open right now, three or four months ahead of time being available to book are very low. But there may be some random days in August, or over a weekend that are available. So again, not saying that there's, we couldn't book a trip sooner. But it's just you kind of have to book around what's available versus if you, had you a, if you had a specific day in mind. But then, yes, again, next year, when you're at that 11-month window, you can basically book any date you want because it, it's pretty well open. So that's, again, just kind of one thing to keep in mind, that it's going to take you three or four months to even get these properties. And then you know, by the time you get it, it's going to be difficult to book something you know, probably within six, seven months of, of what you want. So again, keep that in mind. If you're looking for next year, now's probably a good time to look. If you're looking for something this year, you could still look and buy it, but you're probably going to have a hard time finding something, at least for your whole trip. Maybe you could do a split stay a few days at your DVC, a few days at another resort, um, but it's going to be difficult to book you know, a five-day block <laughs> at one resort um, you know, with, with this short of time. Now let's bring on Linda Smith from the DVC resale market, again, to kind of get her in expert insight into the buying process and some things to you know look out for and think about when you're looking to purchase a, a DVC resale property. All right, so we are happy to be joined by Linda Smith. Linda is a sales associate with DVC Resale Market, and we've asked her to join us tonight uh, for some expert insight into buying a DVC resale property. So Linda, welcome to the show. 
welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome home, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. So happy. Now, um, for our listeners, could you give a little bit of background uh, on how you got into DVC and how you got into like kind of the DVC resale market? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. It's a long story, but I'll try to be not so long. Um, my husband and I had moved to Florida many, many years ago, and we saw Vero Beach, the Disney Vero Beach Resort, under construction itself. And my husband said, you need to go down there and apply. And I'm like, well, what is it? What is this? And he says, well, I think it's some kind of a timeshare. And I said, oh, no, I don't know anything about that. I, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I'm not sure I want to know anything about that. Well, long story longer, I went down and applied and, and uh, was very blessed to be selected to be the grand opening team for Disney's Vero Beach Resort in 1995. So I know I don't look it, um, but so um, many, bless your heart, um, kudos for you. And then many, many years ago was blessed to do that. And then after a period of time, um, after the, after 9-11, we were moved back to Walt Disney World. And I, I've been a factor of, of opening every single Disney Vacation Club resort that we have had to date. So I feel very blessed with that. Also went on the dedicated cruise team um, back in uh, 2014, did that for six and a half years, was one of the lead presenters, did many of the member cruises. And then I started thinking, you know, for me, and this was all pre-COVID, for me, after almost 200 cruises on the water and being at home so much, away from home so much, and family and friends, and I have horses and all of that, and that's a whole other show, so I can't go down that road. But um, <laughs> I needed to get off. I needed to come home. I needed to come home. And um, so it looked like I was going to come back to land. And um, so a matter of a few months went by and a very dear friend who, Derek, who is with DVC Resale now, had been talking to me for a long time. So I literally vetted the company I'm with now out for over a year and a half. And I took a wonderful invitation to join this wonderful team. Um, we knew it was going to happen. COVID hit, waited a little bit, and then we picked it up again. So it very... Very, in a very small way, affected business here. COVID affected so many lives, but mm. thanks for a little bit. So that's how I came to be. I'm a studier. You know, being somewhere for 25 years, it was hard to leave. I miss my friends. It was a great company. It's the best product ever. But this was a warm invitation, and I had a lot of time to think about it, and I have never looked back. What is your um, favorite DVC property since you've been oh, kind of involved in all of them? Well, Vero Beach is one of my favorites because opening that gorgeous property, I don't know if you yourselves have been yet, no. but it's steeped in Northeastern seaboard um, flavor. It's set in the past as almost every Disney Vacation Club is. It is a beach resort. It is a country club flair, and it's a wonderful escape. But when you come back to the parks, um, I, it's hard for me. I, I am very much in love with two flavors. I love the Animal Kingdom, getting up with coffee and giraffes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I love Copper Creek. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking very strongly of buying some points there next fall and um, to have home resort priority there. I, I love that log cabin feeling in that, of course, stunning entryway. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. So those are tops on my list. Can't pick a bad one though. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot. That's true. So if someone is interested in purchasing resale, what do you recommend like they look for in a property, like in terms of, you know, is, is like points available, most Im like important, like the years left on the contract, like what are kind of the key features that you recommend people um, to look for when they start their search? Those are great questions. And what I love to do with my guests is I love to find out what's important to them. Mm 
I love to find out, are you a convenience person? Because usually the monorail pops up then because they want to get on that monorail and they want to go. So that's an important question. I would love to know how large their family is, how old their children are, because that tells me the size villa that they need to go into. And I always tell people, and, and all of us do, the agents, is pick the resort. Let's get the resort that's going to be one that you would probably want to stay at more than the others, because that's where you get that home resort priority feature. But for, for me, it's all about the guest because they're all different, right? How often do you travel? What do you like? Are you convenience? How big is the family? How big could the family be? How many people are going to come? Because as you guys know very well, you're not buying a unit. Mm -hmm. You're just right. buying points. Mm -hmm. But we need to know how many people want to go on a regular basis. So that to me is very important. You know, in today's world, particularly with COVID, um, you know, the economics as well. If you're not an advanced planner, it could come down to, well, I don't care, Linda, I just want to go. I want to be there. Then I would probably have somebody look at some of the resorts that are not on the monorail just for pricing, because, you know, you're still going to be able to stay based on availability. But if we're trying to get the foot in the door, to me, that's the most important thing is to make a new member is mm -hmm. get your foot in the door. Maybe you look at Saratoga or old Key West but those are, those are very, very important factors that you bring up there, Joe, to find out what's really best for the family. And what is the typical timeline when purchasing on the resale market? Um, as far as closing, Angela, um, usually what happens is once the buyer and the seller have come together and we've made that magical moment, usually it's going to take anywhere from about 60, 70 to maybe a max out of maybe around 90 days because it's a little bit different. Of course, the pricing is thousands of dollars less than direct, but it has to go through Disney's first right of refusal. And if families, if not, not familiar with that, that's approximately 30 days. It could be longer. It could be a little bit less, but we have to give Disney that because that's going to be their decision. After that, we're getting documents ready to go. We've got an estoppel certificate that has to come in 10 days later. So really anyone buying right now for them to know is probably going to be looking at a closing sometime in June in, in that realm, maybe June, mid-June, but just be prepared. I always tell people, cause you know, you talk to families that say, well, we want to book, book a vacation right away. I said, well, when's right away? What's right away for you? Cause right. let's talk about reality here that you don't buy right. And I know you guys didn't, you don't buy for yeah. one vacation, you buy for mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. So we're very transparent and very open about how long it takes, but boy, it's well worth it. Well worth the wait, so to speak. And, um, you know, the Disney's right of refusal, that's something um, a lot of people probably don't know about. I think that's something we didn't know about before we kind of started researching. How often does Disney exercise that? I mean, is that something people really need to be worried about? We actually call it the Rofer Monster. That is, uh, that is our nickname for that, the first right of refusal. First right of refusal, um, you know, that is Disney's option and to look at every contract that goes before them. A lot of times they're looking at pricing. And that's probably the biggest thing is the price. If it's going to go too low, Disney's going to come in because they're just going to reprice it and sell it for thousands and thousands of dollars more. So when considering something like that, you know, I love the fact our company is so extremely transparent. You can go into the search bar on our website, the dbcresellmarket.com, and you can literally type in R-O-F-R for Rofer. And you can look and see the statistics. Now, going through the COVID year until we crossed through it, 
they were only buying about 7.4 or 7.8 percent of the contracts back. That's okay. not very many, mm-hmm. but they've recently got a little bit more aggressive. They like a little bit more Bay Lake Tower, but again, it's the price they're looking at, and they're not going to buy back all of them. They like Old Key West with that deed of 2042 because they'll put 15 years on it, but they'll charge you thousands of dollars for that extended deed where you could buy a deed here with an extended amount of time for the family for still a lot less than that. So the best thing to do is do your research, go on the site, punch in ROFR, look at also at the average um, highest price for for that very carefully because it has taken a little bit of a spike because the market's on an uptick. And then I guess in in terms of, uh, you kind of talked about the timeline for closing. Typically, how long do you see people in kind of the research mode before they actually put an offering on a property? Like, do you recommend, you know, is it like a six month process that people should be looking for? Or is it kind of, hey, once you find a good price, just jump on it as quick as you can? That's a really good question because the listings that we have are going out so quickly. Mm-hmm. We're listing a lot of listings from members wanting to sell, but they go out very, very quickly. It's amazing though. Think of what you guys did at home during COVID. If you didn't work from home already, what'd you do? You spent a lot of time in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. What'd you do? I know I did a lot of shopping on the computer, probably more than I ever would have done <laughs> if I hadn't been at home on the computer working. So I think people got themselves very educated and, you know, they sat around and so many times when I was able to start talking to people again, is I said, you know, that money that you were going to spend on that vacation that you now cannot take think about very seriously taking those dollars and putting it towards a membership so that you have tons of vacations coming, decades of vacations paid for rather than just one. The buyer today is very savvy. They've done a lot of research. Sometimes they tell me how long they've done it. And sometimes it's a short period of time because they're quick. They're on the computer all the time. They're absorbing. And I had a beautiful family actually that reached to me yesterday. They made an offer today. They joined today. They'd actually taken a presentation um, at Disney. They loved the experience, but they weren't ready. They just weren't ready. They just were not ready to pull the trigger. And then they found out about us. And then they started doing their research and talking to other people. And I, I want to say that he said probably they've been thinking about it for about six months. Now, does everybody research for six months? No, because you don't have to, because there's so much out there. I mean, 10 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot out there in resale. But I think what, what you brought up too is if you're watching our listings, they're going. They're absolutely going. And some of the resorts are going faster than others. So definitely, if this is something you're interested in doing, Get on the dvcresellmarket.com. Definitely, you know, you can put me down as agent if you wish. Would love to help you. But the most important thing is if this is what you want to do, that's the first thing you need to determine. Is this right for you? When people are looking at those listings, um, you know, as you said, obviously, they're they're much cheaper than, you know, buying direct through Disney. But is, is the best way to kind of determine, is this a good price or not? Is it just to kind of look at like you said, kind of compare to the other ones or, or does, you know, should people be looking at like the points available when they're available? And also, I mean, I was thinking when you were talking about that too, the, there's definitely some advantages and disadvantages of, of buying resale. So could you maybe kind of clarify some of that too, after you're done with his question? Absolutely. And, and to your question, Joe, you know, Disney's very transparent too. They're going to tell you exactly what their direct prices are. Um, what they're selling for. But we also have them on our website as well, too. You can type in the search bar direct pricing and you can see for each and every single resort 
what you would pay us to buy that listing versus what you would pay direct. Because at Disney Direct, there is no negotiation. Mm-hmm. Zero. I went for 25 years and sold it direct at full price, no negotiation at all. So this is like this totally new feeling I can help people with. And we can negotiate a price. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting for me. I love that. I love it. But you know, to your question too, Angela, is what are the differences? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the differences may make um, an important decision for someone to go direct. I'll be the first one to tell you that if you need to have that blue card, but I mean, the differences are you're not going to have the annual pass capability to buy it at a discount as members do. Is it half off? No, oh no, it's nowhere near that. And to be able to buy an annual pass where that would make sense for you is that probably you need to come at least nine or 10 days mm-hmm. to make sense of buying an annual pass. Otherwise, don't. Disney's running so many specials on other passes. That's really not a big loss. The merchandise is one thing. Again, not a big loss. A lot of people have the Disney Visa with mm-hmm. Chase Bank, with the rewards program. Well, guess what? That just takes care of a whole bunch of discounts for you. Cannot use points on cruises. And I sold on the ships for many years. And let me tell you, more people, more of my members came in to buy points than they take the points and they rent them out of our maybe at our DVC rental store, take the money and put the money towards cruises. Cruise points when you look at it, have to be per person. So they're unbelievably expensive. They don't make the economics of a land vacation. So those are are, are some of them. But one big thing I want to clarify, because I think it's important for people to understand, because I get this all the time, that people call call me or they'll email me or they'll, they'll come on chat and they'll say, Linda, I understand that if I say bought Animal Kingdom, then I could only stay at Animal Kingdom. Oh, no, no, no. Let, let's clarify that. that. And you guys are shaking your head because you know better. Mm-hmm. That is, that is not true. Did they hear it wrong somewhere? It, you know what? Everybody tr- is full, full of integrity, I find. All my partners I left behind, the bulk of them full of integrity. I think they just got confused with it. If you buy Riviera resale, you must use points only at Riviera if you're going to stay at DVC. You have the 4,000 RCI properties, but you cannot stay at any other DVC resort if you buy Riviera resale. If you buy any other DVC resort from Grand Cal all the way west, all the way to Vero Beach and everything in Walt Disney World, you can stay at every single Disney vacation club except Riviera. So how members get around that is they'll take their points, rent them out and take the money and stay at Riviera if it's really something that they want to do. So those are truth in fact. Those are the differences there. I think the big one is if I buy, you know, Polynesian, am I stuck at Polynesian? No, you're not. Not at all. So thank you for asking the question. Okay. So you've kind of mentioned this. We're, we're kind of getting in there. Uh, does your home resort matter? And also, how do you know how many points to purchase? Yeah, those are great. Those are great questions. We get that a lot. Well, the home base, it's literally called, you know, we call it HRP, home resort priority. And that, and that's the ability, as you, you know. You guys have to, a lot of fun acronyms, don't you? Yeah, we, all, we totally have a list. We had totally list. <laughs> all good, all good. You got to go shorthand in this business. <laughs> so, you know, home resort priority is basically the ability that you know when when I bought back in '98, I bought Old Key West. I actually bought it mm-hmm. twice. That means I could book Old Key West eleven months out or less. I can say at all the other vacation clubs. I just don't book my reservation there more than seven months out. Now, my little sister fell in love years ago with Boardwalk. She's a teacher, so she gets off spring break, holiday. So I was always worried, okay, now that Boardwalk's up and going, because about before Boardwalk opened, how are we going to do this? We were just very diligent. I went after those resorts in prime times at seven months. We had really, really good luck doing that. 
But the busier this gets, the tighter the inventory it is. So you want to watch for school breaks. You want to watch Christmas, Easter, uh, food and wine festival. That will again be premium. That to me is premium. That's like Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I want to go then. So it books out, but usually six, seven months in advance. Sometimes people book more. The bigger the family you are, Angela, the bigger unit you need. Mm -hmm. And Disney built more of the smaller accommodation homes than they did of the larger for obvious reasons of square footage cost. But, you know, just be smart. Again, it comes back to of all of the Disney vacation club resorts. If you said, Linda, our favorite is Polynesian. We've stayed there before in the hotel. Our family loves the monorail. Then I'm going to come right back and say, let's look for a Polynesian listing for you. And how big is your family? How many kids do you have? Who's coming? Do you ever take mom and dad vacations? I call them the Lord and lady vacations where you get away without the kids, right? Maybe you haven't experienced that yet, but someday we'll come. Maybe you'll come down for food and wine on a long weekend. Grandma and grandpa sits at home. So it, it, those are really, really important factors for the family is to figure that out. Where do you want to stay the most? How big is the family? What size home do you want? And if you already are a DVC member, and even if you purchase through Disney, if you you can buy additional points through resale as well. So that's a good option. You know, like a lot of, I think smaller contracts will go up on, on resale and that's a good option to, to add in. Now, if you do that, is it important to have the same home resort on that? Or like, how does that kind of factor in? That's a, that's a great question. You will meet members um, when you start going that own multiple resorts. Okay. They either want home resort priority at multiple places because they just love the option. Like if you were a Grand Floridian Disney Vacation Club lover, you almost have to own it to get in there because it's a small boutique. There's only about 148 units there. And that's why you see it on the website too. It's the highest selling Disney Vacation Club in Walt Disney World because of its smallness, its desirability, and its monorail. That, that, that would be it. But it's funny. I'd say 60, 70, maybe 80% of since I've been doing this, the few months that I've been here, um, of my mem of members are coming in buying points because they just don't want to pay the higher price. They already are members. They've got everything that they need that way. They want to pick up more resort or more points maybe at the home base because maybe they have a grandbaby now. Mm -hmm. So maybe we've got more family and we've grown and boy, Linda, we can't stay in the one bedroom anymore because we're bringing that new baby grandbaby and we've got to get Mickey's autograph next year. So we got to do a two bedroom and we got a feeling that they're not going to want to stop. So we buy more points to stay in a bigger home. So it's a perfect, perfect marriage to have a member buy points on this site. And like I say, if they don't want to do it at the same resort, then do it in another one. Absolutely. You'll meet many members that have them. Now, if, if you have multiple home resorts, um, you kind of talked about the home resort priority. Are you able to use all of your points for that priority or only kind of the designated points at your home resort during that priority window? Great question. At seven months, Joe, you could pool all the points together and use them all together at okay. any of the resorts. Like if you had points in Animal Kingdom and Old Key West, seven months, you can take them all, book them all at Animal Kingdom, but not more than seven months out. So it's that seven month window where you can combine everything. Now, some people will tell you that and little tricks of the trade, they'll say, well, you know, I love the Animal Kingdom, but I don't have enough points to get everything I need. Well, remember you know, and I've had members do this, maybe pick up a small add-on and bank 
So every couple of years, they've got enough mm-hmm. points to stay. That's another reason you see members having multiple resorts too. But that seven month is the key where you can combine all your points and you can book where you wish with all of them. Okay. No, that, that's good to know. Um, and then a, another kind of feature I wanted to ask you about, because I, I think this could be very confusing to people, is the whole idea of the use month. And so that that kind of, I think, drives when your points become available, but then also kind of going to the question of buying multiple points or multiple home resorts, you know, you know, does use, I think use month at that point becomes more important. So can you talk a little bit about how that works and, and maybe what to look out for if you do have multiple properties? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, you will, again, you'll meet members that do have different use months. They handle it fine. It's more accounting. It's simply more accounting because say you have a use month of October and the resort you're dying to get, you don't have an October use year out there. So you buy a September one. Well, that was kind of a smart move because the banking windows are close. So if you're an October use year and the resort that you want only has an April, your banking windows are going to be fairly far apart because your banking guideline says that the month that you have your use year, I call it anniversary month because I get tongue tied there when I say use year too fast five times. I can't yeah. do it. So your anniversary, <laughs> your use year basically is going to be determined when you purchase. It's already attached to the listing. It's it's not going to be changed. So the thing you just want to realize too is that when you buy different use years, and again, members do then Disney's going to give you a different member ID for that different use year. So it is a little bit more accounting for you, but I find members handle it extremely well. If a brand new person is coming in and all of a sudden they're like, we've got two contracts. We want to buy them both today. They're brand new. They don't know anything about it. And they're buying in October and April. I want to give them, all the transparency of what they're going to be handling. Back to you, sure. I do want to add something I think that's very important. When I do speak to a family, if you are a family that always travels in the month of September, Labor Day is your big family getaway, and you had an October use year, that could become problematic at some point because you're wanting to go in September, but you're then always borrowing points from October and pulling backward. So once you borrow points, it is a final transaction. Once you bank points, it's a final transaction. So let's say you're going around Memorial Day, you have an October use year, and somebody has got an earache and you cannot get on the plane and you have to cancel that reservation. Well, guess what? You'd have to use those points before October 1st so they would be lost. So use year does play a very important skill in this game to be careful to make sure you get it at least in front of the times that you mostly vacation. Now my drive market families, my Florida, Georgia families, some of my South Carolina that drive, they don't care. They, they don't care because guess what? They can come down anytime they want and hop in the car because they don't have to worry about a plane ticket to get mm-hmm. down here. Yeah. And a lot of the drive market does not care to be here prime season. They're going to avoid it because they can. Lucky them. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's all a lot of really good information. So, I mean, I think, you know, what you covered essentially, you know, if if someone is looking to buy resale, it's important to kind of check the resort they potentially want to be at, uh, you know, like you said, the number of points they might need. And I think to your point that use year, because that's going to play into it as well, because let's say you want to stay at, um, you know, the Polynesian, they're going to have multiple use years whenever you're kind of looking at the resale. So you, you kind of have to play that into it too, that yeah, is December or April better for you? And so all of that kind of, you know, plays into it. And I think 
again, I mean, definitely us before we kind of started researching this, I didn't really know all those, you know, details and, and what, what to kind of look out for. And so um, I, I think that's good for people to know that it's, it's more than just saying, Hey, I want to, I want to be at the Grand Floridian or I want to be at Copper Creek. Like there, there's a little bit more involved, but in the same respect, it's, um, it's not all that difficult. You know, there's, you can figure it out pretty easily. So you can figure it out. And believe it or not, I've had members over my tenure at Disney that had three different use shares and it's just getting used to, or one example that I think would be popular that makes, would make sense to anybody is what if you just wanted to buy some points to use to go to Hilton Head and that's the only place you're going to go with those particular points because that's another small resort, then it doesn't matter really because if you have a different use year because the one that you're buying is just going to be for Hilton Head. So you've gotten specific with that. But I think the big thing is really, you know, Joan Angela is just for people to not be afraid to ask the questions. I'm always available for advice. And so I feel it's very important with a new person that they get those questions answered and we find out their patterns because then they get set up for success as well. Perfect. And this has been great information. If people do want to reach out to you, they have additional questions or they are interested in buying resale, how can they do so? Oh, thank you for that. You can reach me direct at 352-223-9600 or my email is Linda and that's L-I-N-D-A at dvcresellmarket.com. And it would be my pleasure to help. Thank you very much, Linda. And we will put uh, your email in the description uh, for the show notes as well if if our listeners want to check that out. Uh, Linda, this has been really insightful. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. I want to thank Linda again for being on the show. Hopefully, everyone found this helpful. If you were thinking about buying DVC either from Disney or resale, hopefully it was helpful to kind of hear our experience and kind of our thought process and then, you know, hear more from Linda on kind of the, the ins and outs of, you know, what you need to look for and kind of how, you know, that buying process works. So I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you have not done so already, please leave us a rating or a review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. Thanks for listening to your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.